0: Morning Hope Chapel, 8.30 service, yeah, oh you guys are owning that, it's like you got some pride, 8.30, not those 10.30 people, not those 7 o'clock early risers, I'm 8.30, all right, Um, is that awesome, is that awesome that we do that on Thanksgiving, you guys have a great Thanksgiving, Um, but that's awesome that we're not just a church, we're we're not a selfish church, we go out in the community and we do it, how many guys went to the block party last night? That was pretty awesome in the pouring rain, right before our like our, the Hasselhoffs. Anybody saw us? We had to, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, you guys came out of the the, the rain just to see us. Um, Operation Shoebox or not? That's not Operation Shoebox. <laughs> Operation Christmas Child. <laughs> Do you guys know what happened on that? Huh? We it was at three thousand fourteen boxes. We broke. <laughs> We broke it And um, remember last week, I confessed to you guys, I was procrastinating, and I put in my boxes on the day they broke the 3,000, so you can thank me. <laughs> for breaking the ra- I got the email I'm all. Me and Grace are all, yes! We broke the barriers, my boxes. Um, but Carl's on vacation, so you got me um, this morning. and he's having a great time. Um, uh, uh, Carl and I actually went to uh prawn hunting the other day up Wyholy River because uh, we're wannabe men you know it 's like my my father in law is an actual man and, like he hunts pigs and and taco and all that and so um the closest I can get is this this prawn hunting um, is going up a river and looking for these little things, these little buggers, um like water insects basically and i 'm um, a horrible hunter because I'm colorblind. 50% of men are colorblind. Anybody here? Any, any men proud to say that you're colorblind? And that doesn't mean I see in black and white, guys. Come on. Okay. I see colors. Yeah, I just, I can't, you know, like it mixes and muddles, and I can't see things good. And, um, but I love prawn hunting, but it's so dirty because you go at night right? Prawns are sneaky, and they hide really well, and they kind of meld with the scenery, and you can't really see them. But at night, if you have a really good flashlight, you shine it on their eyes, and their eyes reflect. It gives them away. It's like, yes! I, that's why I love this. So I can see like I shine the light. It's like, oop, there you are. <laughs> I got my spear, and I kill him. And I feel like a man, so. Um, so, yeah, Carl's having a great time on vacation. That's what we did. But um. This morning we're still in James, and um, it's Christmas season. It's it's Thanksgiving. It's it's you know it's all that stuff and all the merry. And we sang Christmas songs this morning. Are you guys feeling or what? Are you getting the feeling? Well, we have a, a heartwarming message this morning. We're going to be talking about sin. <laughs> yeah, you're like. Great. Thanks a lot. Thanks for getting me into the mood. But we're going to be talking about sin. We're going to be talking about turning away from sin and turning towards God. Uh, We're continuing our series on James. Um, But before that, let's lift up uh, today in prayer. Um, Lord, I thank you, God, uh, for your word. I thank you that um, for this season, Lord Jesus. um, Lord, let us not forget, like what Trevor was saying in worship, God, you're the reason for this season. I know that's cliche and we say it all the time, but it's absolutely the truth that you are it, you are the reason, and this is a great time to celebrate you, to remember you, Father God. Um, We just thank you. Speak to us today through your word. In Jesus' precious name, we all say, amen. 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 All right, why don't you guys turn to James chapter 4. We're in chapter 4 this time. We're almost at the end of James, um, but verse 1. And again, James is not pulling any punches. He comes at it. And so here we go. We're talking about sin. And he starts off. Really, with a question. He says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? So he he comes at a question. And and if you guys remember what James is all about, James uh, is writing writing to the church out there that was persecuted. They got scattered. So he's giving advice to Christians that have been scattered abroad. And what is he finding? He's getting reports that they're arguing, that they're fighting, right? If you remember in the chapter before... He, he drills him and says, hey, control your tongue, right? Because your tongue is set on, on on by hell itself, you know? And, whoa, it's, he's really bringing it. And here he's kind of continuing the argument. Hey, guys, why are you arguing? Why are you quarreling? Why is there drama in your church? There shouldn't be. And he just puts it really straight, and he kind of opens a can of worms here. And here's the answer. He says, don't they come, the quarreling and the fights, don't they come from the evil desires desires? At war within you. Okay. Now, if we want to apply this to our lives, I mean think about, you know, I don't I don't not in your homes, I don't go to work with you, but think about the drama that surrounds you. Okay? Think of all the stuff that's going on in your life right now. Okay? And ask yourself this: how much are you a part of that? How much did you put in into the quarreling, into the drama? Are you standing, you know, kind of on the side and you're seeing this all happen and you're like being all godly? I'm godly. I have nothing to do with this, you know? Or did you have something to do with it? Was there something in your heart that kind of added? Are you, like last week we talked about being a peacemaker, or are you the one that goes, here's a fight, there's a fire, I got some gasoline? (laughs) You know, Um, are you pouring gasoline onto that fire? Um and right here James is saying you know what it's it's this war within you. And so here's the one thing that I have to just tell you guys straight out and this is this is the comforting thing is that James is saying you know what you're a Christian you love the lord but guess what there's a battle. Do you guys agree? There's a battle within you. We struggle with sin. We struggle with evil desires. We're going to be doing that for the rest of our lives till we see him face to face. Okay? Why? Because there's an enemy out there that wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. He tempts us, you know, and like, and we have this fleshly side, so I don't, you know, we can't blame everything on the enemy, you know, when we sin and we make a mistake. So, oh, the devil made me do it. I'm sorry, sometimes we make that choice. Actually, we make the choice. You guys with me? Right? And so there's this war, and there's scriptures out there, um, you know, there's a famous scripture in, in uh, Romans 8, where Paul's going, you know, I, 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 I know what to do, but I can't do it, and I'm, I'm pulled this way. And he says in Romans 8, uh, verse 23, and he admits this. This is Paul, the apostle, right? But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. I mean, even Paul right here, he's saying, there's a war, guys, in my mind. The battle is between... This ear and that ear, and it's right there. And everything, all the decisions I make, all the things, the choices that I do, the actions that I do, stem from what, what happens in between here, this war that's going on. In Jeremiah 17, verse 9, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked who really knows how bad it is. Now, I read this, and you're probably hearing this. You're probably going, that's depressing, Tom. Thanks a lot. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks a lot. You know what? I read these verses and I'm encouraged. You know, you know why? You know why I'm encouraged? Paul here is admitting it. God is saying, Jeremiah, nope, the heart is wicked. We're not alone. Isn't that alone comforting? That you're not alone, that, that everyone, every single one of us has a battle within us. You're not sitting here going, I'm the only one. He's talking straight to me. No, you have to know that there is a church family. This is why we come here, to support each other right? To pray for one another. When one's struggling, dude, help him out. That's what mini church is all about. Who's in mini church? I mean, right? You go in there. So, one of them's grumpy and the other one's happy. And they're going like, next week, they switch places. What is going on here? You're laughing because you know, you know, the drama that's in your own mini church. And, and, and when, so, some, some days you're going in, you're the one that needs help. Some days you're the one that's going to support. And so I want, to, I want to let you guys know that you're not alone. I mean, um, I, I see this war all the time. I, I see it all the time. The people I disciple in my life. Um, but, you know, the, the, I, I see them, and these are people that absolutely, without a doubt, these are people that absolutely love the Lord. Okay? They're not faking it. They're not coming to church, and they're, they're not playing the church game. Right? These people, I, I, I know these people, they absolutely love the Lord, and they struggle. Some of the people I personally disciple, they're struggling, you know? It's like I, I give them advice, and they don't listen. You know? It's like, and I, lo- you know, I don't love this, okay? But like months later, when it's like, I told you so. You know, you give them, I told you so. And, you know, it's like, I told you. Why didn't you listen? But I have to have grace on them. Why? It's because right here it says there's a battle going on. There's a struggle. Um, I read the prayer requests. Oh, man. If you actually read the prayer request that come into this church, it'll break your heart. And I'm reading the prayer request, and these are people I know that love the Lord. They are very strong Christians. They're they they have they're, they're awesome. They have integrity and stuff. And I read some of their prayer requests because they put their names on it, which is awesome because they're confessing to everybody. It's like, you know, what? I'm struggling with this. And I read it. It breaks my heart. I'm going, wow, this person loves the Lord, but they're struggling with that? Wow. And it... it Draws me to pray for you guys. I mean, it's I mean, we come here, but we don't know what's going on in people's hearts. People are struggling. There's a battle out there. But one thing I want to let you guys know, isn't that amazing that you're not alone? You're not alone. That's why we're all here. We're all desperate for God uh, to speak to us, to, to strengthen us. Um, let's go on to verse 2. He kind of—James here, of course, right? He doesn't just— start real hard and go soft, right? He goes hard and harder. (laughs) And here it is in verse 2. It says, "Um, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you Want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Okay, whoa! Let's just stop there. Some pretty harsh words, right? And you're probably thinking, that's not me. Right? That's not me. I mean, I, I think a lot of times we can read the Bible and go, oh, those poor souls. Oh, man, those people back then. You know? I mean, I have. I can read it and go, yeah, that's good. But then, you know, I have to look at this because, like, you can say, "Oh, I'm not scheming to kill anybody. I'm not plotting someone's death." But when I read this, there's a couple questions that come to mind when I read from verse two to verse three. One of the the first reason, my first question that I get is, "Is are you getting what you want on your terms?" Right? He says, "You scheme and you kill." And, and you're, you're saying you're jealous, and you, you kind of like you fight and wage war to get what you want. And my question to you guys kind of hits more home is, are, are you getting what you want on your terms? If you don't get what you want, do you fight for it? Right? And you're like, oh, no, no, no. Right? Um, the other question that comes up is, um, are you only wanting the things that benefit you? Right? That last verse says, and even when you ask God, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. It's, it's a selfish. Remember last week I talked about jealous wisdom and selfish wisdom. Are you kind of going off of that and going, I'm doing all this for me. I'm top priority. It's for my benefit. And God is saying, or James is saying here, it's like, you know what? Check your motives. Check what's going on in here. And then we can work on the sin thing. Um, were you guys here when I talked about my favorite soccer team? Tottenham Hotspur, anybody? Anybody follow follow the English Premier League? Okay, I'm alone in the room. All right. It's okay. Um, but they're doing really good right now. They're third. They're number three after Manchester United. They're right there. Um, but the most awesome thing I'm loving about my team is their attitude. Um, they have an attitude of teamwork. They're at, an attitude of it's not about being a prima donna. I talked about it last week, right? It's not be, about being that super superstar. They're all about helping each other. And there's this one player. Um, they just bought him this year. His name is Emmanuel Adebayor. He's from Africa. He's this really tall guy. But um, this guy had a reputation of being real selfish. I mean, he was kind of a troublesome guy. Um, in the teams that he played before, he was just trouble. He was always wanting the glory. He always wanted the goal. He always wanted to be on the pitch the field. That's what they call it in England, the pitch. Um, he always wanted to play, score goals, get all the glory. But then if he wasn't, he'd get temperamental and he'd complain about it. So he had this pass. And so when he went, came to my team, all the critics were saying, oh, I hope he can handle, oh, I hope they can handle him. I hope they can handle, handle his attitude. And I was like reading them, like, oh no, he's going to ruin the team and stuff. And so he came onto the team and for some reason he changed. I mean, it's, I don't know about this whole attitude of um, I, I give credit to the manager. It's like it's this team of, of unity, of playing for the team, about not just scoring goals, but you know, doing the defense, doing all the hard work. And he actually, here's a quote I read in this. Um, he, he he said a quote to to the English press. He said this. It's not. And he scored. Let, I'll, back story. He scored two goals per game in the last three three matches. So he's scoring a lot. But he says this. He says it's not all about scoring goals. It's about what you put into the game. you guys get that? And it's kind of a cool thing because this guy that used to be like full-on bravado and he's all selfish and he's a complainer and stuff, and this guy is scoring a lot of goals, and for him to say this, it's like he's kind of realizing... I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he's got kind of a godly attitude here. He's going, you know what? Even though I'm scoring a lot of goals, it's not all about that. It's about what I put into the game. And I took that as life advice because I look at myself and go, you know, I, I'm, in, I'm in the spotlight a lot. You know, I, I'm, I'm on stage. Played Hasselhoff last night. And nobody saw me. I was, I was rocking it in the rain. With my stance, my rocking stance. Um, you know, I can... I can um, I can stand up here and take all the glory, and you guys will go back there. Great job, Tom, whatever it is. But you know what? I was looking at this and going, you know what? It's not about just right here. It's what I do on a daily basis here at Hope Chapel, right? It's, it's what I do on a daily basis in my life. Dude, I want to do the defending. I want to do everything I can for the church of Christ to grow. Does that make sense to you guys? I want to do all of it, right? In my gifting, whatever I have, in the position I have, I'm going to do it. I want to do the little things. I want to do the big things. And and I'll, I'm doing it for God because God, and it's not just for God to to look at me and go, good job, good and faithful servant, because I want to do my job. It's not about just scoring the big glorious goals. It's not about myself. It's not about just wanting what benefits me. And I love this attitude about it. Um, moving on. Uh, let me ask you a question. You think James goes harder or softer right now? <laughs> Here he comes. I'm just prepping you. Just prepping you right now. Verse four. Um, he's. He just says this. I mean, this is the first line in verse 4. You adulterers! Exclamation point. You people who cheat. That's what he's calling us. Right? You adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy, but he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires as the scriptures say God opposes the proud but favors the humble. Like, whoa, James, calm down. Right? It's like you read that and go, dude, settle. Come on. Got an anger problem? What's going on? But you know what? I have to back up and go, wait, there's stuff going on. There's quarreling, there's jealousy. This this kind of stuff tears down the church. You guys agree? This kind of stuff will divide people. It will and you know what? When the church is divided, I'm sorry, no souls are going to get saved. And what are we here for? We're here to get people into the kingdom of God. And we're fighting if we're fighting amongst ourselves, I'm sorry, the job, the task that God has given us, that Jesus has given us before he left, we're not doing it. And we have to put our pride and our jealousy aside and go, you know what? It's all about Jesus. And here's here's a cool thing. When you read, you adulterers, because James is coming pretty hard here, it's kind of a a, a cool thing when you think about it. He's calling us the bride of Christ. Because (laughs) if we're not doing what God has told us, and we're kind of going off in our own selfish desires, we're actually committing adultery. You know, um... One of, the, my, one of my favorite times of the month here at Hope Chapel is baptism. How many of you guys love baptism? Yeah. We actually had a conversation this week, and you know what? We got to do something about baptism, because it seems like we just do baptism while people are eating. You know, it's like, ah, oh, baptism, yeah. Oh, so I'm baptized, mm, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's a little, it's like, it's not as glorious as it should be, because I really believe when you get baptized— it's like, man, that's like a wedding. I mean, don't you think? It's like a huge moment. It's a commitment to God. I'm making this symbolic act. That's what a wedding is, a symbolic act, right? We're just going, hey, here we go before God and before man, right? And I look at baptism. is this, this awesome thing. And in, in Ephesians 5, I, I, I do some weddings now and then. Ephesians 5, right? Um, it, says the, um, it says the wives submit to the husbands. Well, husbands love that one, right? But after that, it says, the husbands must submit to their wives. And it says this, you must love your wife as Christ loved the church. Is that cool? That basically, God is saying, you are my bride. You're my prized possession. Okay? And it, it, this, this relationship that we have with God is, is, like, is a marriage. And when he says, you are adulterers, he's saying, you know what? You guys are focusing on something else. You're being idolaters when you when you do these selfish things. And he goes on even more. He says in verse five, what do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed with within us is filled with envy? Okay, now that's a little confusing in this version. But I looked at the New King James version, and it says this: It says the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy. One of the things that we have to realize, and this is in the in the Ten Commandments, that God is a jealous God. Do you agree? Do you? It says that right there. Go look up any, uh, Exodus 20. It says, right, don't make any graven idols, right? Don't worship those idols because I am a jealous God. He loves us so much. And you're thinking, Tom, wait, wait a minute. You just talked against jealousy and, like, God's talking about being jealous. Like, is God a hypocrite? No, he's not. Because human jealousy is what? You're wanting something that you never, ever had. God's jealousy is, he already already made you. You're already his. You're his prized possession. Do you guys get that? You're his prized possession. You're his masterpiece. He created you. Of course he will be jealous because you are his. I am his. Does that make sense? That God is jealous for us. I hope you guys get that. That he he really desires this relationship with us. Um, And he says, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. Uh, let's go to verse 7. And this is the nitty-gritty stuff. This is the practical stuff. This is the stuff that, you know, when I brought the subject matter, right, we're talking about sin. I, I want you guys to take some notes here um, because there's some really practical advice. James is kind of backing off now, right? He's he's not, you know, um, bringing it hard. He's giving us advice. He's giving us practical uh, tips right here of how to resist this jealousy, this selfishness, sin in our lives. I mean, this is basic stuff. In verse 7, it says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears of what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Right there, the first three sentences, um, from starting from verse 7. I did this. First three sentences. Sorry. One more finger. There you go. Um, first three sentences are amazing, and, and I think it's practical advice. And you know what? I'm... I'm someone that's not into formulas, and I think we shouldn't formalize God, And because God is creative, and His Holy Spirit is so awesome. But here's some really practical steps, because there are strong truths that, that James is bringing here. And the first sentence is, so humble yourself before God. If you're struggling with sin, which we all are, if there's a battle uh, inside of you, which we all are, that's what we established, right? We're all in the same boat, and you're not alone. We're all struggling. Well, what's the first step you should do? Humble yourself before God. Now, what does that mean? Because I really want to clarify what this means. Because humble yourself can mean a lot of things to you guys. Humble yourself. I come to church every week. I come early to the 8:30 service. I'm worshiping with Trevor. I'm in the front row. I'm humbling myself before God. That's that is that's humbling yourself before God. But if you want to take it a little bit deeper. I think humbling is allowing God to change you, allowing God to go, you know, I'm going to put down my pride, and I'm going to allow him to even tell me stuff that I don't want to hear, right? The, the word of God is a double-edged sword, which means it's going to encourage you, but it's also going to correct you. Are you guys with me? Um, I'll admit this. I watch a lot of TV, <laughs> and I watch a lot of Food Network. Anybody? Anybody? I, I love to live vicariously through other people's meals. It's like they like the drool and stuff. I watch. Um, there's this one sh- this one show I like to watch, which my wife just hates watching, is uh, Restaurant Impossible. Anybody watch this? <laughs> Restaurant Impossible, and uh, uh, what's his name? Robert Irvine. Robert Irvine, right? The big English guy. Um, and so he comes in, and these are struggling restaurants, right? These are restaurants that are losing money. They're losing customers. They have horrible food, horrible service. Like, these, these aren't restaurants that are like, okay, we're doing okay. And he comes in. He comes in to rescue these restaurants, okay? Um, and so he has to come in kind of hard, kind of like how James comes in. And, and he comes in. And so I, there was this one episode I was watching the other day. And um, he told the guy, okay, make all these food. And placed it in front of me, and so they made all the food, and he's trying uh, some food. And there's the manager right in front of him, and he's eating the food. And he's like, "There's no flavor. This has no flavor whatsoever." And the guy's all, "That's our that's our top seller. We we sell, we sold those by the bundles. We sold that, that's our top seller, right?" So he puts that down. He tries a burger. And he grabs the burger, and he takes a bite. And he's all, "Do, do you guys salt and pepper? Do you guys season this?" They're, there's no flavor. Then the manager looked at him and goes, well, that's why we put salt and pepper on the tables. <laughs> you know, he's just like, he's just in denial the whole time. It's like, his pride was like, dude, our, our food's good. That's the best seller. That's what, you know, he's just like, put the basket on it and make it your own. You know, it's like, no. And then Chef Irvine's saying basically, no, your job is to make the, the food taste good. You know, and he's telling him all this, but he's in denial, he had all this pride and he's trying to protect his chef, so it's rightfully so. He's just like, You know what, no, our food's good and then he's like then Chef Irvine's like, I'm trying to help you here. Can you just put your pride down? Are you in or out? I'm just trying I want to make this restaurant succeed. And after a while the guy finally was like and then he asked him this really important question, Are you in? Are you in? Do you want my help? And he and then he looked at him and the guy's like yeah, you know what? Yeah, I, I need your help. At that point, that guy put his pride down, right? He's saying, yeah, you know what? There's something wrong. There's there's no flavor in this food. I have to put my pride down, and so I, I need your help. And, and it's the same thing with God. When you say, humble yourself before God, yeah, we come here and worship. Yeah, we worship him. But are you going another step and saying, God... Change me. Lord, what is offensive to you that needs to be? Lord, search me and know my heart. Whew, how many guys have ever asked that question to God? Search me and know my heart. That's a tough question to ask. It really is. And and my advice, what James is saying, do that. Try, try and ask him that. You might not like what you hear, but it's God saying it. And God wants the best for you, amen? And he's saying, humble yourself. And so when I, when I, when I mean, when it says here, humble, I really believe it's, it's allowing God to do whatever he needs to do. God, your will be done, right? Not mine. Um, the next sentence, which is another amazing sentence, right? The wor- first one is, so humble yourself before God. Then the next sentence is, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, isn't it amazing how simple that is? I mean, here's James' advice, how to conquer sin. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, he will flee. You guys got it? Okay, ready, stand up, go. Isn't that easy? I mean, right? I mean, come on, guys. You're like going, come on, James, Really? And I, I want to I just tell you guys, I think it really is. But I think it's hard for us to get in our brains the spiritual truths of what he's really saying here. Because he's saying, resist the devil. First of all, resist the devil. What does that mean? And like I said, I'm not into formulas, uh, you know, whatever it is. But I really believe it's knowing the authority that you have in Christ. Because Christ knows you, right? You are his. You are, like you said, Right, James is calling you adulterers, but it's because we are God's prized possession. We are the bride of Christ. So he's saying, you know what? I got your back. You're my bride. I will take care of you. If you humbled yourself and say, God, here, here I am, whatever you want. Well then, dude, here we go. Let's, we're, we're ready to resist the devil, whatever that looks like. Know your authority that you have in Christ. That you can say no devil. You can't say it on your own power right? You have to say it because you're a child of God. You know, and I, I, this is more, seriously, this is more than trying to think about something else. You know, when, when I was in high school, there's all these, like, uh, you know, high school boys, they struggle with, you know, they're going through puberty, right? They struggle with lust, right? I remember I read this book, and it's like, you know, it's like, here's how to deal with lust. If you, if you come across a lustful thought, do some push-ups, to take your mind, go running, you know, and I'm like, I am sorry, but that, that worked for like one day, I was like, oh man, come on, <laughs> you know, oh, I'm, in sh- I'm like, seriously, if we all followed that advice, we'd be so in shape right now, guys, right, we'd be like, yeah, man, we'd be like, buff, it's like, I'm not struggling with anything, right, and it was all about me trying to get my mind on something else. Okay, and I'm sorry, but at some point it works, but sometimes it just it doesn't work. It it falls. It fails. And um, you know, one of the things we have to realize is that you know, in um, let me read the actual the message version of um, of verse four, uh, uh, chapter four, verse seven. The message version actually says this. Right, So the, the real, the NLT version says, um, where am I? It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The message version, it says this. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Don't you love that? I love what the message version. Is like brings it like, yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. And so, what I, I'm not trying to give you a formula. I'm not saying, can okay, here comes tension. No! You know, I'm not trying to give you a formula but the attitude is, I have authority. I can tell the devil no. I hope you guys get that. I can, because you can. I'm I'm gonna tell you from personal experience that this is how this happened to me recently. Um, I know I'm giving you all my dirty laundry. Yeah, like in the last two weeks, I got into a fight with my wife. Anybody with me? Anybody in a fight with what? Uh, I got into a fight with my wife. Seriously, like I'm not th- like two weeks ago. Seriously, this happened two weeks ago, and it was at night, right? And I didn't follow the advice of the Bible. It says, "Don't let the sun go down in your anger," right? I was in bed. We're lying in bed, and I'm like seeping in my anger. I'm just like, "Ooh, you are so irritating," you know? "Oh, you're so wrong. You're so wrong," and I'm just, I'm like, I'm just like delighting in it, you know? Anybody with me? Am I the only one? It's like you're almost enjoying, but you're, like, you're irritated with your spouse or whatever it is. You're just like, oh, I just, oh. And, and all these thoughts and other stuff was coming in, and it was, it was a little overwhelming. I was just like, I had a bad day at work, so that's all coming down. And I'm lying in my bed, and all these thoughts and temptations and all this stuff, I was just basking in the anger, and I got so sick and tired of it. Seriously, this happened. I got so sick and tired of it. I wanted to go to sleep. I'm tired, and I just said, shut up. And I was speaking to the devil. I was speaking to demons or whatever it is, right? We believe in heaven and hell. We believe in angels and demons, right? I mean, it's a, there's a spiritual battle. That's what we've proven right here. There's a spiritual battle out there. So I just was so sick and tired. I said, "Shut up." In my brain. Not real loud cuz I didn't want to wake up my my wife. <laughs> it was in my brain real loud. too. I was like, "And and I'm not saying this doesn't happen every single time. Because I've done, I've done the rebuking thing. I've done, I rebuke you in Jesus' name and the temptation. I, you know, it doesn't, like I said, I'm not trying to build a formula. But it happened this time. As soon as I said shut up in my brain, the most amazing thing happened. I wasn't angry anymore. You know what actually happened, which is kind of amazing? I, I just felt this love for my wife. Like, I just, like, it just went away. And I looked at her and I'm all, aww she's just awesome. I, I, it was weird. It, it was just this transformation came above my, over my attitude and um, I better tell her this before I say this at 1030. Okay, uh, this happened, but isn't that amazing? And I want to tell you guys, I share this example to you guys because I, I think we have to know where we have to stand. We have to draw the line and go, devil, no. However that looks. I mean, if you look at the example of Jesus, what did he do when he was tempted? Jesus didn't yell, right? I I love Jesus because he's so calm. He's just like, you know, he gets tempted and man should not live on bread alone. You know, he just says a scripture and walks away, right? And the devil comes out again. He just says another scripture. This is why you guys got to know your word, right? This is why you guys got to know your word, Um. There's an authority that we have with Christ. and If you are a Christian, a follower of Christ, know this. He has your back. He has your back. You can say no to the devil and resist him. And the awesome thing is when you say no and when you resist him, what happens? Oh my goodness, he flees. I mean, if you do it successfully, he's, he's, he's out of here. He can't handle it. He can't handle the light of God. The next sentence, and I, I, um, I think this is a great sentence, and I've always used this. I've always used this, this, this third sentence, by itself. But as I was studying for this sermon, I was like, "Whoa, this really, this really goes alongside what it what it's saying right here." Because I, I, I've always like said this to myself: it says, come close to God, and He will come close to you." Right? It says it, uh, verse. Come come close to God, and God will come close to you. You know, I always, I'm like, in my relationship with God, I always kind of said this. Like, you know, if I if I take a step closer to you, God, you're going to take a, cl- a step closer to me, right? If I, if I sin and I run away from you, well, then I'm going to be that farther away from you. But if I take that step of repentance and walk towards you, it's awesome because it's like this. It's like boom, 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 you know? And there you are, close with God again. And I love that. But looking in this context, it's kind of interesting because these three sentences, right? The first one is, humble yourself before God. The second sentence is, resist the devil and he will what? He will flee. Then it says, come close to God and he will come close to you. And I kind of thought about it this way. It's like, you know what? Once you have this victory, right, over over the devil, once you have this, you humble yourself before God and you you like, well, yeah, I didn't sin. Yay! And then we kind of like, you know, after victory, you kind of sit on your... Laurels and you get then you get worked, right? Here it's saying, you know what? don't stop there, don't stop right at the victory of over your sin. Get close to God. Fortify your walls. you know what? keep close to God. keep this relationship that is really, really close to him. and then uh if you if you guys can, just put your finger on first Peter five. I'm going to read the whole thing. This is an amazing verse. Uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. I'm going to read. read. It says, Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. That's what James was saying, right? Stand firm against him. Say no and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. And then watch this in verse 10. It says, In his kindness... God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Now this is a great verse because it says, here's the, here's the devil, he's a roaring lion, he's trying to devour you. But after you go through all the suffering, after you go through all the trials and you come up, come through it, Go to God and guess what he will do. He will restore you, support and strengthen you and he will place you in a firm foundation. So when I look at James and I go, okay, after those two steps and then there's that final third says, come close to me and I'll come close to you, it's kind of like go to God for strengthening. go, go to God to, to help you uh, to, so he can restore your soul. Go to God so he can fix the fences where the, where the enemy snuck in. I mean, if you think about it that term, right? The enemy snuck in through a hole in the fence and like, oh, okay, we chased him out and you go, we celebrate, guess what? The hole's still there. There's still a hole. And when we get close to God, God's all, hey, fix that hole. You know what? Let me help you with that. Let's patch that up. Make a firm foundation. Make a habit of when you have victory over sin, well, you know what? It's not over yet. Right? I need to come close to God. I need to worship him. I need to constantly worship him. And he will restore, he will support and strengthen you and put you on a place, a, a firm foundation. Um, I, I'm a tweeter. I tweet. <laughs> and uh, I read this amazing uh, tweet by Nikki Gumbel. And he says, When you are walking in a close relationship with God, but when we, when we are walking in a close relationship with God, we are comfortable in our own skin. And I like that. Why? It's because the closer I get to God, what happens? I get to know him better. The closer I get to God, he reveals himself to me. And all these things and his knowledge and wisdom and everything that he is, I get a bigger picture of who God really, really is. And at the same time, as I get close to God, I get a bigger, bigger picture and a more understanding of who I am. Because I'm getting closer to the creator who created me, who knows me better than anybody else. I get to know who I am in Christ. Are you with me? So now, so now God is bigger, and, and who I am is more solidified. And so when I read this by Nicky Gumbel, it says, you know, the closer I get to God, well, then, then the more comfortable I am in my own skin because I am who Christ made me. Exactly who Christ made me. I'm comfortable because, because that's what God created me to be. Does that make sense to you guys? Draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. And I'm going to read the last um, bit here in verse 11 of James chapter 4. He says, Don't speak against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, Who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor And Look at this verse really simply. You know, James was looking at us individuals going, hey, humble yourself, resist the devil, and get close to God, right? Then in the next verse, he's saying, you know what? Apply that same humility to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Stop talking evil about them. Don't judge them. Don't criticize them because you're you're stomping on the, the gospel itself. So he's he's saying, take that same attitude to others, right? What are the two commandments? Love God and love others, right? And that's what he's saying. Um, But I wanted to uh, end with this psalm. Actually, not a psalm; it's a hymn. Got it up there? You want me to sing it? (laughs) Anybody know? Oh, uh, uh, oh, oh. come thou, come thou fount. Anybody love that song, Come Thou Fount? Come Thou Fount of Every Blood. Okay. This is a great song. I love this song. Um, it's a hymn that we used to sing. We actually sing, used to sing a lot. And it's an honest song. It's, it's about this guy who, who wanders from God. And today's sermon was about, you know, our sin. We're, we're, we're in our own sin But here's God waiting for us to humble ourselves and resist the devil and get close to him. And this song is about a guy just struggling with that, right? I I, I started this whole sermon off with, hey, guys, you're not alone. We all all struggle. It's all a battle. And I I think he just perfectly put it in these awesome words, and I want to close with this. The last line in the song is, O to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Like thy goodness, let thy goodness like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee. A fetter, you know what a fetter is? It's like a um, it's like a leash. It's a tether, right? And so basically he's saying, let thy goodness be a leash to your love, right? Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Isn't that cool? It's it's this guy going, Dude, I, I'm a sinner. And I, and I I'm prone to sin, I'm prone to wander. God, leash me to your love. Leash me to your grace so that I I don't go, but I, I'm admitting to you that I'm I'm prone to wander. And that last line he says, You know what? Here's my heart. Do you guys get that he's humbling himself? He's doing exactly what he what, what James is saying? Humble yourselves before God. He saw, you know what? Even though I'm prone to wander, even though there's this battle going on in my soul right now, here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Seal it for your purposes. Seal it for your glory and your fame. And I look at that and go, this—that's amazing. And I—and my prayer for you guys. I mean, when I read this, it's, it gets me every single time because I, that's my heart for the Lord. Lord, here, here's my heart. Here's my. Wretched heart, oh, wretched man that I am. Take and seal it for your courts above. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, um, I am not alone in this room when I say we struggle with stuff. I I will not say I, I am a sinner because I am a saint restored by you. But I struggle with sin. I struggle with a battle that's in my heart and in my mind, and I, I know all of us in this room do too. That we know the battle that that we struggle with. Lord, I pray for every single heart, whether it's right now or they go home, that they would have an attitude just how this 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 songwriter had. That that we wouldn't. We we would confess to you that hey, we messed up. We're prone to wander. We're prone to give up the God that we love so much. And Lord, we come before you right now. Lord, that you would take our hearts and seal it. That we give it to you right now. We offer our hearts. We humble ourselves. Not only just just saying the words, but Father God, I I pray that we have an attitude of going. God, whatever is offensive to you well Lord let me know so that I can I can get rid of it that so I can fix the fences and that I won't let the enemy in anymore Lord I just pray that you would restore people here Lord whatever we're struggling with Lord. We confess that to you, Lord, as people have lifted their hearts and saying, here is my heart. I I pray, Father God, a blessing of restoration, of support, that you would place a firm foundation under their feet, that they would find victory, victory over the struggles, over their sins, or those things would just fall away by the wayside. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your unfailing love that accepts us time and time again. We just praise you for that, God. We do not deserve you, but you have given it anyway, God. Everyone still praying. I just want to give another prayer to anyone here that has never declared Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. If you've never declared to Him, Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross for me. You died for me. And because of that, I am forgiven. And because of that, I give my life to you. I will follow after you. I will become a Christian. I will become born again. And all I I have to say right now is, is, is I believe in you. I make you my Lord and my Savior. If you've never done that, if you've never said that to Jesus Christ, officially become a child of God, to officially say that I am born again, a follower of Christ. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. I may be saying a prayer in about 30 seconds, but all I want you to do is tell me that you're going to be praying with me. I'm going to count to three and just simply right now, just raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Does anybody want that this morning? Anybody out there? Raise your hand. I don't see anybody. Lord Jesus, I pray that everyone here knows you. Lord, walk with us. Be with us. Lord, I pray that we can draw close to you, that you would draw close to us. In Jesus' precious name we all say, amen. 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 All right, guys, thanks.